Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Tarek, heads or tails? Uh, tails. I'm actually flipping something. It's heads. All right, give me the ball. Let's go. Trey wants the ball, and it is startup season until I say it's not. So if you (laughs) went zero quarterback in a startup, and I was looking to grab my first quarterback, and I told you I was between between Tua Tugovailoa and Kirk Cousins, which guy would you tell me to take? Trey? Well, uh, I guess this is a preview for our NFC North episode, but uh, uh, I'll take uh, Tua straight up. I like the age and I like the upside in that offense. Uh, and I, I kind of like what they're building around them with uh, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So, yeah, I'm I'm still a member of Tua and on. This is a good coin toss because I actually don't really think there's a wrong answer here. Um, so, but, you know, because of the exercise, I'll go with Kirk Cousins. Um, as we're going to talk about later in the episode, I mean, he's just rock solid for that low end quarterback one year in year out. He's probably got at least a couple more years, if not in Minnesota, he'll he'll be a starting quarterback for a while, only 34 years old. So uh, give me Kirk Cousins in the locked in production, which is what we kind of hope to uh, becomes. Yeah, I guess Kirk does have that guarantee for a job that Tua doesn't necessarily have. You know, if Tua screws this up, I, I I don't think that he necessarily has a starting role right after the Dolphins. But who knows, man? I, I think they are setting Tua up for success here. It's It's been a while since our AFC East episode, but I, I feel like I'm choosing to buy more and more into the idea that uh, Tua's hip was really fucking him up and uh, they're they're fixing it. Um, and he's on his way to recovery. The the optimist in Angry T wants to believe that. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I definitely think if, uh, for whatever reason, if he can't get it done this year, then uh, this is probably the end of the uh, Tungavailoa era. But uh, no, I think he gets it done. I like the uh, the system they're putting in place around him. All right. So I, I framed the coin toss if we went zero quarterback in that startup. What if you were looking to add these dudes or at least one of these dudes as your second quarterback? Does that change the perspective at all? Or is it still you still taking the guy you chose in the coin toss? Yeah, same same answer for me. Uh, If it's my second quarterback because you're giving me the option now, then then I'll take Tua for the for the youth upside. It really does change for you. Yeah, it changes for me a little. I mean, look, what I said is that there's not really a wrong answer. Like, I can see the argument for either Kirk Cousins or Tua, but I will air Tua if it's my second quarterback. I like that. You like that variance. Some people like safety. You know, John would choose uh, Kirk. He's, John. John's always got a rubber on him. Twenty-four-seven. <laughs> What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Binshuya. And Trey, I I just noticed that you've got a Scott Fishbowl t-shirt on. Yes, sir. Today is SFB 12 day, man. It's It's a great day. It's a beautiful day. Yes, yes, Mitch. We we got you in there. It was a group effort, uh, but you all four of us are in the Scott Fishbowl this year. Very exciting. We're all drafting our first players right now. 
That's right. That's right. I made my first pick already uh, with the eighth pick. I got uh, I got a Travis Kelsey, but I was a little bit jealous of how the board fell to uh, Mitch over there in his division. Yeah, I do appreciate you guys getting me in uh, in classic fashion. I did not register originally with you guys, but uh, thanks to the tweets and thanks to Scott Fish. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm in. And yeah, my board was a little sexier. I got Kelsey at the 10th pick and uh, I was... I swear I was going to go zero quarterback. I was ready to do it. And then it came back to me in the second round, and I took Stafford because I, I just I can't do it. But I'm happy yeah. with Stafford and Kelsey. Yeah. You wimped out a bit, uh, but I can't talk. I went extremely chalk at the 102, went with Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see what happens in the second round. Let's jump right into it, guys. Uh, we actually had a rare bit of like mid-offseason news. Baker Mayfield traded to the Panthers from the Browns for a conditional fifth that could turn into a fourth. Browns are apparently paying $10 million of his salary. And not only that, Baker agreed to turn a few million into incentives to facilitate the trade. And yeah, this is crazy for a guy who was looking at a possible mega extension like just a calendar year ago. Uh, thoughts on the Panthers' outlook with Baker under center? I mean, it kind of sucks for the Panthers in a way. It sucks in the long term where uh, it, it doesn't really put them in a great position, I think, for a good draft pick next year. I think Baker gives you like seven wins or something. And I, the thing with the Panthers is they have a pretty good defense. So now they have the ability to keep the games close and uh, have Baker actually compete for some wins here. So shitty for fantasy football. Shitty for the Panthers. Um, yeah, I, I don't like this at all. Well, I don't know if it's really shitty, shitty for the Panthers because, you know, Baker took a similar, uh, you know, a similarly flawed Cleveland team to the playoffs uh, in, within the last two years. So, you know, it's not crazy to think in that division with, uh, you know, all the changes that are happening and uncertainty in Tampa. Uh, we don't really know what the, what like New Orleans or Atlanta are going to be this year. So. It's it's not impossible to see the Panthers winning enough and sneaking in to a, a wild card spot here. Now, I don't think they're going to go far in the playoffs, but uh, you know, you still got to give your team a chance to make the tournament. I guess that's where I'm at, and I did tweet this, and I, I stand by it now. I wasn't happy at all when the Titans traded for Ryan Tannehill. I think a lot sure. of Panthers fans aren't too excited about this, but there's a shot that this guy actually comes in and, like you said, gets him into the playoffs, but. When I say it's shitty for the Panthers, I just think like now they're pushing all their chips in without a really good team to do that. And that's going to land you right around the middle of the pack. And uh, as the resident Titans fan, I know a little bit about the middle of the pack and Jeff Fisher and going eight and eight, man. Like it kind of sucks being in that situation. So it's also bad yeah. to see a team, you know, tank, too. So I don't know. As as many in our group chat know, I don't really give a shit about the Panthers as a football team. But from a dynasty fantasy football perspective, I I kind of think that this is not horrible, especially for DJ Moore. Right. I think with Baker Mayfield, we can expect about like a four point eight to like a five percent touchdown percentage to where if that translates to DJ Moore scoring a few more touchdowns rather than his, you know, yearly four, um, I, you know, I, 
if we kind of get like an average touchdown year out of DJ Moore versus with Sam Darnold, you would expect like a, a below average right. touchdown percentage year. I think that could be like a silver lining from a dynasty perspective. Um, and I know we're all big fans of DJ Moore here. What do y'all think about that? An average touchdown year for my guy DJ Moore is like four touchdowns, man. It feels bad, but uh, I'm, yeah, I'm saying like maybe we could get into the six or seven if Baker Mayfield happens to throw, you know, look, his normal allotment of touchdowns. Yeah, as a DJ Moore stan, I I don't think it moves the needle either way either because he's had to outplay a shitty quarterback his whole life and he's going to have to keep on keeping on. So uh, I think he can outplay Baker Mayfield. I, I, Baker's better than the rest that he's had so far. So perhaps there's a chance, but it, it's hard to get excited. That's all. I mean, there may be a Teddy Bridgewater stand out there that would argue that point. Um, but I, I think I would rather have Baker if I were an NFL football team. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so uh, what are we doing today? We are in the penultimate. That that means second to last for all you non-English majors out there. The penultimate episode in our uh, divisional preview series in which we aim to talk about every dynasty relevant player in the NFL, at least on the offensive side. Today we're doing NFC North. So let's go ahead and kick off this first half with the Minnesota Vikings at quarterback. Kirk Cousins averaged 19.2 points per game last year. That was good for quarterback 12. And in other words, guys, that means Kirk Cousins did Kirk Cousins things. He usually averages somewhere between 18 and 20 points per game, which in today's fantasy landscape should be about good for a low-end QB1, high-end QB2. Trey, I don't know if you've been hearing this, but the word from Minnesota is that Kevin O'Connell wants to run an aggressive pass heavy offense now that the corpse of Mike Zimmer has been buried finally you know I I I mean I don't know if like we can put too much stock in that narrative but at the same time it's a lot of times coaches come in and they're like we're gonna run the ball you know so at least we're hearing the opposite narrative but Kirk Cousins should this make us confident you know in the Minnesota passing game more generally so I, I, it's definitely not a bad thing, right? Uh, I think the question is how much upside is really there? Because if you look last year, the Vikings had 35 and a half pass attempts per game on average, which was actually tied for 11th in the NFL. So there's not that much room for them to go up, really. Uh, and I don't think we're going to project Cousins to be top five in pass attempts, you know. So uh, if you remember, you know, these similar offenses that uh, O'Connell's coming from, like the Rams offense, they like running the ball, too. Think back to the girly years. And even what we've seen in Cincinnati, where they've been a little bit run heavier than we thought they were going to be, too. So I'm fine with the projection. I think high end QB two for fantasy for Cousins is absolutely reasonable. Uh, if you're looking at your dynasty ranks and you want to take him as early as the 15th quarterback off the board, I think that's fine as well. Uh, but I've got him a couple spots lower. I've got him at 20 just because I like guys like Rodgers and Brady more who, you know, just are higher upside plays. And then like the developmental guys of like Tua, who we talked about, or even Trevor Lawrence over uh, Kirk Cousins and his predictable uh, high-end QB2 projection. Yeah, I I see that he's predictable in that he doesn't run, but he's hella efficient, So, uh, which is another reason I'm looking for him in the Scott Fishbowl here. But he's at quarterback 17 for me, and he's there because he sets the floor really high. Like that quarterback 12 overall points per game. That's pretty good. That's a big deal. Uh, I 
qualifies him as a quarterback one last last year. So so it looks like Trey and me have Kirk Cousins kind of right around consensus, QB 19, QB 20. And Mitch, you're a little bit ahead of consensus uh, as that like basically just because you like that floor. Um, you like that, as Kirk Cousins would say. I like that. Yeah, I guess I, I like him a little bit more than I'm looking at my ranks here. Derek Carr and Mac Jones, who are very similar quarterbacks. So mm-hmm. I yeah. just like him a little bit more than those guys. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a tough projection for me because Mac Jones has the age advantage by like 10 years, and he could probably get you pretty close to Kirk Cousins in uh, the upcoming season. So I, I would have a really hard time um, putting Cousins above Jones. And then you look at a guy like Derek Carr, maybe there's just more upside with all the weapons in, uh, in Vegas than, uh, than Minnesota. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to have them right next to each other. All right, let's move on to the running backs. Uh, Dalvin Cook. In 13 games last year, Dalvin put up uh, 1,159 rushing yards, 224 receiving, six touchdowns. He was running back nine in points per game. He's just about to turn 27, uh, which is actually a little bit younger than I thought he was for some reason. So he's likely kind of just teetering past that age apex, but he's an absolute workhorse when he plays. Mitch, when I was preparing for this episode, I, I kind of felt like the dynasty community doesn't really talk about Dalvin Cook a lot. At least I don't see very many threads, very many value studies about Dalvin Cook, at least this offseason. He's keep trade cut running back nine. What do you think about Dalvin's outlook and value? Yeah, all that sounds about right. I think last year we talked a lot about it being the year to trade for Dalvin Cook. And now this year we're like, all right, well, he's hit that apex. So what do you do? And maybe that's why there's an absence of articles or what to do here. I just, like I said, the value just looks okay. And uh, when he's healthy, he's an absolute fantasy points machine. He's like one of the few bell cow backs left in the NFL. Slam dunk on a contending roster. Um, and the other thing is, I don't think any of us would be surprised at all if Dalvin Cook were to lead all running backs in scoring this year. So, yeah, agreed. You know, it's just, I guess, the injuries as of late that might be bumping him down. And it's the age thing. But all that's baked into a running back nine price. So, yeah, if you valued him at running back four, I wouldn't flame you for it. Like, you know, it's it's in his bag. And if you valued him at running back 15 because of his age or whatever, I think that's fair, too. So I think for me. Maybe there's not a lot of articles because he's just kind of team dependent. Like if you're going for it, he's a great buy. If you're not going for it, then there's no reason for you to have him. Yeah, that's really what it comes down to for me as well. He just fits a uh, a prototype or, or I guess an archetype of a, a running back that's really only belongs on a contending roster. So, you know, if he's one of your top two running backs on a contender, you feel good about it. If you're not contending this year, then please get rid of him ASAP. Yeah, I agree. I, I have a few trades, though. I pulled up some on the trade finder here. I got Dalvin Cook and Hollywood Brown for Elijah Moore and Michael Pittman. Which side you got? Uh, Dalvin and Hollywood for Elijah and Pittman. I probably will lean Dalvin and Hollywood there. Yeah, I think I agree. A slight lean. I mean, I can see you pulling that off for the two receiver side if you're if you're a rebuilder. You said Pittman and who, Mitch? Elijah Moore. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's very much a contender and a rebuilder swap. Uh, I don't know if the rebuilder got enough on that one. 
All right. I got Dalvin for Amon Ra St. Brown and uh, the 1.09 this year, I guess. Nah, give yeah, me Dalvin. That's not enough for Dalvin. Yeah. I yeah. got Dalvin and Madison for Boyd and T. Higgins. Dalvin and Madison for Boyd. Uh, yeah, that's a good contender rebuilder swap. Higgins and Dalvin are about equal in that contender rebuilder delta. All right, one last one here. Dalvin and Madison for a 2024 1, 2, and 3. Dalvin and Madison. All right, let's move on to Alexander Madison. He's Trey, he's probably going to get you 20 fantasy points when Dalvin Cook misses games, and he's probably going to be unplayable otherwise. There's a lot of value to that, but like, how much would you pay to have Alexander Madison on your roster, Trey, whether you're a Cook owner or not? So because I don't really think he's like a special talent, you know, I, I'm not really going to break the bank here. I know he's shown the ability to produce when the opportunity comes up, but I don't think he's like, you know, Tony Pollard in waiting or anything like that. Um, I'd prefer him to a guy like Alec Pierce, who looks like a bust to me. And they're going like almost in the same exact range on keep trade cut. Um, but if you're asking me to, you know, trade a future second for him, I think I'd rather have the draft pick equity. So the the market rate on keep trade cut feels fair to me, like running back forty or so. But yeah, Pierce is also going to that range. I'd rather have Madison over over Pierce. Trey, you hit the nail on the head right there. He's not the guy in waiting. He's a backup running back, and he's just a guy that I tend not to roster. I have rostered him in the past, but I've flipped him whenever Dalvin goes down. So if you do roster Madison, you kind of got to assume that Cook might miss a game or two, and that's going to be the perfect time to flip him. But Otherwise, I wouldn't expect him to ever take over that role. I, I like that. Okay. Would you guys rather have Ty Chandler or Kenny Nguengwu as a deep bench stash? Uh, Ty Chandler because Kenny plays special teams. Yep. All right. Trey? Well, get, I'll disagree. I'll go with uh, Nguengwu. Uh, he's got the plus plus athleticism compared to Chandler's plus athleticism. And I think he's probably ahead of Chandler on the depth chart. Yeah, I'll go Nguyen Wu by a hair. But both not gonna... All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say I'm not mad at you, Mitch, but now I'm mad at you. All right, let, let's move on to Wait, the, the well there, dude. <laughs> let's move on to the wide receivers. Uh, Justin Jefferson on track to be one of the best receivers we've ever seen statistically. So there's not really much to say. Uh, he's with Jamar Chase in a league of their own. So I'll, I'll pull a Mitch here. We'll do just like a DLF trade finder thing. This is all super flex PPR. Mitch, let's start with you. Justin Jefferson and Gerald Everett or Brees Hall, a 2023 first and a 2023 third. All right. I'm going to be no fun. Uh, if I'm trading away Justin Jefferson, I better be getting a quarterback in return because there's only like six or seven players in the NFL that are going ahead of them in startups. So I'm already like going to nix a lot of these trades, but I'm taking the Justin Jefferson side all day on that one. Wow. I thought that one was pretty close. What about you, Trey? No, I agree with Mitch there. Okay. All right. Trey, I got one for you then. Justin Jefferson or Brees Hall again and Rashad Bateman. So I think this is close as well, but I'll take the Justin Jefferson side here. I think you've just got too much uncertainty with uh, Brees Hall as a rookie, Rashad Bateman, not really proving it in his rookie year. So um, I'd rather have the sure thing on the upside of uh, J. Jeff. All right. The final one. I'm just going to ask it to Trey again because Mitch <laughs> said he's he's not going to take just uh, a, a trade without a quarterback. But Trey, Justin Jefferson and a 2023 second or 
Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, 2022-207, and 2022-303. Okay, so for this one, this this really comes down to just J. Jeff for Godwin plus Deontay for me. I think the picks kind of cancel each other out. Uh, I love Deontay Johnson. I am a little bit low on Chris Godwin with the injury news. I think that hasn't really shown up in the dynasty market yet, so I'm not sure Godwin closes the gap for me. I'm with you, but Tarek, I had a feeling this might happen, so I actually looked up one trade I would take okay. uh, for Justin Jefferson. So I would trade away Justin Jefferson, Javante Williams, and Derek Carr for Josh Allen and Antonio Gibson and Allen Robinson. Uh, wow. And that trade I There's did find on the, there. <laughs> on the DLF trade finder. I did find it there. And so that's a good one. That's a I, good one. I did like the upgrade to Josh Allen and getting the hell off of uh, David Carr Island there. And if Justin Jefferson is the keys for that, then do it. Yeah. Let me just say in general, uh, you know, for the the listener out there, I do think it makes sense to look to move Justin Jefferson. Like, I, I don't think like you have to like hold him on the roster. I mean, he's he is going to give you an advantage year in, year out, like every single season, like hang on to him. If, but if somebody comes along and is willing to back up the Brinks truck yeah, and, and give you like multiple first plus a Metcalf plus a quarterback, then I think it, you're totally within like your wheelhouse to make that move. And Tarek and I uh, co-managed a team and, uh, and did trade away Jefferson a few months ago. So, um, you know, it, it can be done. I do agree for the right price. Okay. Adam Thielen. He only played 13 games last year. Somewhat quietly had 10 touchdowns in 15.4 fantasy points per game. Mitch, uh, at wide receiver 58 on Keep Trade Cut, I mean, it seems like there are worse ways to get what I think is the likelihood of wide receiver two production on your roster. Yeah, there's a good chance Thielen gives you a ton of production this year. And I don't believe there's a debate on whether or not like Thielen is good. Dude has a wide receiver one finish the last three out of five years. And two of those years, it was because of receptions and yards. One of them was because of touchdowns. So he's capable of getting it done regardless of the circumstance. And he's got Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook soaking up most of the defense's attention. Uh, the offense is supposed to be more pass-friendly. So all signs point to yes for me here. Uh, I think the question just becomes more of how much longer can he do it? Is this like a one-year rental, two-year tops? And Yeah, he's 32. Way, yeah, so either way, you, you're forking out two-thirds probably gets it done so i still think that's the right move maybe even a second for a contender he seems like a like a really obvious buy for a contender yeah so uh to that point feeling right now i I would really only project about a year and a half left you know uh given his age and i think we are probably going to start to see a decline a little bit just because he's had so much luck in the red zone so he projects outside the top 24 wide receivers for me, but um, I can see the value at where he's going right now on keep trade cut. Okay. Okay. I- I'm surprised, Trey, you didn't flame me earlier in the group chat. I said Adam Thielen arbitra- or, uh, arbitrage Keenan Allen question mark, and uh, you kind of flamed me for it. But I-, I appreciate you putting that to the side, but I, I went ahead and flamed myself. <laughs> well, look, I mean, there's like 10, 15 percentage points difference in WOPR, so it's it's kind of apples to oranges for me. All right. Uh, KJ Osborne came out of nowhere as a full-time player last year. And and I read that he basically just ran away with the third receiver spot in 2021 camp uh, to everyone's surprise. 
And then there's Amir Smith-Marset. His truthers might think he'll take on the Osborne role next year. Trey, do you have interest in rostering either of these two fifth round picks from the last two years? No, these are these are late round picks and they haven't really shown enough uh, that they're going to command, you know, enough target share uh, to really, really return a lot of value here. I don't think they're a good allocation of resources. I don't have them on any of my teams. So uh, if I did have them, then I would be looking for the first uh, trade window to uh, ship them elsewhere. I'll I'll give you a good example, too, because I agree with everything you just said. I had KJ Osborne last year, and the second that dude started, like, I don't know, doing anything, right. he was gone. He was moved. And that's the kind of stuff you should be doing with these players. Like, there's no reason to have them now. There was a reason to have them last year. Right. Right. So, it, you know, if you're still holding that bag and they do have a game or two, you know, do what Mitch did last year, uh, there there may be a, an out or two again. Yeah. Let's close out the Vikings with the tight end and the return of Irv Smith Jr. Last year was supposed to be the third year breakout that was promised, uh, but he tore his meniscus in the preseason. With the departure of Tyler Conklin to the Jets, the depth chart looks wide open for Irv. And Trey, at tight end 15, the dynasty community seems pretty hopeful. Are you hopeful, Trey? Well, I'm, I'm definitely hopeful because uh, he, he fits the mold of a guy that could break out and and probably should, uh, you know, given his profile. I've, I've got him at tight end 18, so I'm slightly lower than the market on Irv Smith. I'm more confident in guys like Albert O and Zach Ertz to return value who um, are technically behind him on keep trade cut right now, but... I do have them in one league, uh, so I've got one share uh, in one place. And um, yeah, I, I think the breakout uh, could happen, but I'm not betting on it heavily. I wouldn't mind having a, a couple more shares of the guy. I, I'm curious, you guys, though, uh, who would you rather have in a vacuum here? Irv Smith Jr. or Adam Thielen? Uh, Irv Smith. Ooh, really? I think Thielen. Yeah. I think Thielen gives you a better chance to compete. And yeah, I, give me I, Irv Smith. I asked this because they went back to back in the most recent startup that I took. Or oh, that, interesting. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know which way I go. I think Irv was on my radar there because I, I remember in last year's preview show, we talked about Irv Smith Jr. being, the, and it was after he was hurt. We talked about, well, next year he, we're going to be having the same conversation. We're going to be <laughs> yeah. having a conversation about him maybe breaking out. And here we are again. Nothing's really changed. The offense is relatively the same aside from the coaching situation. So I don't think we should feel any differently. I I think like if you think that he might break into that top 10, go for it. Go get your guy. I mean, when you say in a vacuum, my mind goes to startup, right? So if I'm in a dynasty startup, I'm going to err toward youth and upside. Um, And if it's a normal kind of tight end premium league, you know, I would just kind of lean Irv Smith in that situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, usually we're not in a vacuum, but uh, that that's just where my mind went. Let's move on to the next team, the Chicago Bears, the Bears. Oh, I am Bears. in Chicago. So uh, yeah, that that's a that's a fact. You're a Bears fan, dude. Uh, yeah. Uh, at quarterback, the Bears did absolutely nothing to support the development of Justin Fields. They hired a defensive coach in Matt Eberflus and like in, in, in all his press conferences, it's he just like touts like platitudes about we're going to be hard nosed and blah, blah, blah. Oh, so, God. hey, you know, maybe maybe it's a it's a Detroit Lions situation that 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 coach turned out pretty yeah, well. Dan but 
Yeah, Dan Campbell. But uh, they drafted 38-year-old Velus Jones, who I, I got a new nickname, guys. I'm calling him Varicose Jones. Love it. Uh, Love it. They they signed Byron Pringle, and that is about it. So, Mitch, the 23-year-old Justin Fields is quarterback 13 on keep trade cut. He's sandwiched between Matt Stafford at QB 12 and Deshaun Watson at QB 14. I'm obviously worried about his situation, if you couldn't tell, but how are you <laughs> feeling about him as a dynasty quarterback? I actually feel really good, and it's it's taken me some time to get to where I am now, but I've definitely softened my stance on uh, on him. Like I really think Justin Fields is a good quarterback, but I too am worried about the situation a little bit. I have him ranked as my quarterback 11, and I've taken him in startups over guys like Stafford, Rodgers, Trevor Lawrence. And I will say the Bears did do one thing for our guy, Justin Fields, and that's fire Matt Nagy. So, you <laughs> yeah. know, you mentioned they, uh, they brought in a there. defensive head coach. And, you know, that's true. But they also brought in a new offensive coordinator to develop Fields. And it might be a bunch of coach speech or whatever, but he's been on record already saying he wants to try to get Fields involved more with his legs and tailoring the offense to the mm -hmm. players' strengths and all that. But Justin Fields can run with the best of them, man. And uh, he's shown that he can throw it 39 times in a single game without a pick. He was number two overall in air yards per attempt, and he showed improvement towards the end of the season. So despite all that adversity his rookie year, uh, he showed some chemistry with Mooney. And, you know, I hope he gets some more help from the rest of these so-called wide receivers or whatever. But I'm betting on him. I'm betting on the upside. I hope he's a hit. Hey, Trey, let me before, you know, we give your take, let me just say with Matt Eberflus, this is a guy that kind of came from the Cowboys. He was the linebackers coach before he got uh, the D.C. job in Indianapolis. And by all accounts, he is an amazing coach. So I just want to say that uh, it's just like when I watched his like introductory press conference, I was like, OK, dude. Yeah, the, the situation definitely isn't great. So I, I agree with you with the concerns there, Tarek. Uh, but I'm also a Fields dude. I've got him three spots ahead of market. So I'm I'm with Mitch on this. I'm I'm happy to take him over Trevor Lawrence at this point. Uh, I don't think we should read too much into rookie quarterbacks and you know struggling in their first year in the league. I think we would like to see uh, you know more indication that there's going to be support around him in place. But I still believe in the talent. Uh, even over the situation. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got him on multiple teams right now, hoping for that breakout. Yeah, guys, I've got him one spot ahead of consensus too. So as much as I lamented the situation, like I'm a fields guy, like I loved him in college. Uh, I think he showed some amazing potential and, and Mitch talked about some of the stats that signified that in his first year. So, Hey, I'm betting on it as well. I'll be the first to admit it doesn't feel great. Like it, it's an <laughs> uncomfortable bet, it's risky, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, but like, for sure. Uh, but I'm I'm here for it. So I'm glad we're all uh, above consensus. Let's move on to the wide receivers. And there is one very interesting wide receiver in this room. And that is, of course, Darnell Mooney. In his second year as a pro, Mooney had 69 receptions. Nice. Ayo. For 929 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, and that went along with a 26.7% target share a 36% market share of air yards, which are both great numbers. That translates to a weighted opportunity rating of 64%, which was number 12 in the NFL. Uh, thank you, Trey, for pulling those stats for me. 
He's a massive, or Trey, let me ask you, is he a massive value at wide receiver 31 on keep trade cut? Uh, so yeah, he is. He's he's going to smash that ADP, uh, like absolutely. Um, you know, there's guys that are going later, or guys that are going ahead of him right now, like Sky Moore and Cortland Sutton. And I think Mooney is a more reliable asset than both those guys at this point. So um, he is misvalued right now, like just straight up. Um, I, I think there's concerns you could express about like his ultimate upside. Like, does he ever really break into the the top 12 or the top six? And, you know, maybe he doesn't have that really in his range of outcomes, but mm. is he going to like give you value at ADP? Absolutely. Right now. I don't know. Plug in a little Darnell Mooney tape. And that last question you asked might change your mind. Uh, he does look like he could. He, he He's pretty damn good. He kind of came out of nowhere, too. Yeah, I mean, I think if you pull a 26% target share, you're probably pretty good. And I actually just moved him up like seven spots in my rankings because, yeah, I mean, if if you're a Justin Fields guy, right, it, it kind of stands to reason that you should kind of be a Darnell Mooney you guy, especially after the... He's, yeah, he's misvalued. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I like it. All right, Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown, Tajay Sharp, Valus Jones. These are the other guys on the roster uh, do any of these dudes move the needle for you? And uh, just a little peek behind the curtain here. Trey actually worked up this wide receiver section because I literally, when I was writing the show doc, I forgot to include <laughs> the entire position group. So uh, Mitch, uh, Trey, when he was writing this up, he called you Mr. Wide Receiver Handcuff. Do you like any of these guys? Well, I like a few things about peeking behind the curtain here. Uh, a... Trey did not even write Velus Jones no, into the show document. Completely <laughs> forgot about Varicose Jones. Utarek included him in the show document. My my yeah. answer was going to be no, none of these guys move any needle. Byron Chips, Equinemius St. Brown, Taze Sharp, get rid of those guys. But Velus Jones, Mr. Varicose, I think that he is a bit undervalued at his fourth round rookie draft pick uh yeah i mean he's wide receiver 98 on keep trade cut he's basically free look yeah. i i admittedly didn't know anything about him pre-draft here but the bears liked him and you gotta like him a little bit more than these nobodies here so look i i'm as a fields guy i like darnell mooney too um and we're gonna get into cole Komet here but if you're gonna take a stab at any of them you heard it from Mr. Wide Receiver Handcuff first. Get Valus Jones. I, I will say I like Varicose Jones more than Byron Pringle and Equinemius St. Brown and Tajay Sharp. I will admit that. And I also will admit that I'm very proud of myself for Varicose Jones. As he should be. As he should be. None of those guys belong on your, your fantasy dynasty not even, squad. Not but. even Varicose, Trey? <laughs> I mean, do you get special teams points for like, you know, blocked kicks or kick return touchdowns? I, I don't know, man. There's some kinds of wacky yeah, maybe, rules. Maybe in all... yeah, maybe in Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> I, I need to read over those rules yeah, again. Yeah, right. Right, at running back, David Montgomery, he's kind of the poster child of chase volume for your fantasy running back because 3.8 yards per carry, 4.3 yards per touch, 2.08 yards created per touch, 0.71 fantasy points per opportunity. Thanks to player profiler, all well outside of the top 40 to 50 running backs in all of those metrics. 
but god damn it if he was not getting fed. Number two in snap share, number four in opportunity share, number five in red zone touches, top 10 in route participation. Trey, David Montgomery just turned 25, so he's got some of that apex left. What do you think at keep trade cut running back 20? So for all of the reasons that you mentioned, I don't think he gets uh, re-signed to be a starter in Chicago or elsewhere. You know, I think this is essentially a one-year rental situation. Uh, He may get value or volume and he may, uh, you know, help you in your flex spot this year. But I moved him down to running back 22. I moved him behind the Packers running backs and I moved him behind uh, rookie Ken Walker. I just... I just don't think like he gets a new opportunity to be the lead guy after this season. When you're you're putting up efficiency metrics outside the top 40, why are teams going to continue to give you that lead back role? So, um, you know, he's projected quite highly on fantasy pros. He's running back 13 in their projections for this season. But there are guys that are like being projected for less than that with way higher upside guys like Cam Akers, Saquon Barkley and Javante Williams. So like, of course, I'm going to go for those three guys over over Monty. Oh, man, Trey, I, I love how much you hate Montgomery. That That's what's going to make this tidbit just a little bit funnier. In our uh, TLG3 Dynasty League, uh, Trey and I co-managed a team there, and I uh, Trey was asleep, I guess, and uh, I traded no, up I was. for... No, I was. No, I can't <laughs> affirm. I was asleep when this happened. I, uh, I traded up for David Montgomery. So, uh, you know, he was a he was a reputation player of mine last year, and I still believe in my guy. But yeah, I I can see where you're coming from, Trey. It's kind of like the uh, oh, the old Josh Jacobs effect. You know, they they might run his ass into the ground this year, and he might score some some major points. But but then what? You know, and uh, the, it could go one of two ways. I mean, he could continue on like a uh, James Connor type path elsewhere, and he could continue relevancy and. Uh, uh, the one thing I think people forget with David Montgomery, and uh, I think you even alluded to it, Trey, is that like he catches the ball. Um, and they were even talking recently about uh, giving him an uptick in receptions this year. So the last two years, he finished with 42 receptions and like 54 or something like that. You know, so that means 60 receptions is in his bag, potentially, if they give him that sort of workload. And if so... Perhaps they'll even take down some carries a little bit and extend this guy's life. So I'm not all out like you are. I, I'm still Team Monty, but definitely not as much as I was last year. Dude, he may catch the ball, but he does not do it efficiently. So it's it's all about volume with Monty, which I understand the appeal, but it's I don't think this turns into a long-term outlook for, for him in the league. Trey, just get on record. I want to know how you really feel about that trade. I fucking hated it, dude. <laughs> I mean, look, Mitch, like we manage a team together and we have David Montgomery on that team. Uh, so you you manage a, a roster with John, too. Do y'all have David Montgomery in that league? Not yet. I'll wait till he, uh, <laughs> till he falls asleep, too. All right, let's move on to Khalil Herbert. In his three weeks starting, Khalil Herbert was probably the lone bright spot on the Bears offense. He was the running back to rush for, or excuse me, he was the only running back to rush for 100 yards against the Bucks all year last year. And he's got some juice for sure and proved his salt at least as like a quality backup. And I am going to take the reins on Herbert here because I feel like I kind of planted my flag on him last year in this series. And he definitely panned out from a value perspective. 
as much as I've like glown about Herbert over the last year, I recognize that he's probably just a solid running back who can play a starting role when needed. The reason I tend to prioritize him in my running back ranks at the head of the handcuff range is because I think like in contradistinction to Alexander Madison, I think there's a slight potential for more with Khalil Herbert. And I think that making selective relatively inexpensive bets on certain handcuff running backs is a really important part of dynasty strategy. Now, like with all that being said, I have cashed out on Khalil Herbert more than I've held him through his value rise. And I had him on almost every dynasty team. I looked on the DLF trade finder to kind of get a feel for his current trade value. And in every instance, he was someone that was thrown into a trade to make the math work And I really love that. So I think like without getting into specific trades, I will just say if you're in negotiations with a Herbert manager, maybe like instead of asking for a second or if the negotiations stall because you want a second, ask for Herbert instead, because I think a lot of managers would prefer that equity uh, of the second round pick, especially in 2023. Um, and, you know, I will say, and I'll give you all a chance to respond if y'all want, but as we move on to the tight ends here, I'm also going to say I've been adding Tristan Ebner everywhere, sixth round pick receiving back out of Baylor just because he's free and we'll see. Yeah, uh, Tarek, I agree on uh, Khalil Herbert. He's a guy who I've uh, made some trades for as well over the offseason. I, I like his his talent that he showed during his rookie year and uh I think an interesting test case for him is is even somebody like Alexander Madison, who we already talked about, you know, uh, I think Herbert might be the more talented running back straight up. And given the opportunity, he could turn into a, uh, a running back one option. I think he could even be good enough to convince the Bears they don't have to give uh, Monty uh, a second contract. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like the value there, especially um, as like a trade throw in piece. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Trey. I agree with you, Tarek. I think if you're a Monty fan like myself, it's a smart move to back him up with Khalil Herbert as well. I'm not a proponent of handcuffing every running back, but when the situation's tight like this, uh, I think it's a smart move, a sound move. All right. We are all in on Herbie as well as Justin Herbert. Both Herbies. Go get them. All Herberts. All right. At tight end, Mitch, I I feel like we've talked about Cole Komet a lot on this podcast, so we can kind of keep this short and sweet. Solid amount of targets for Komet. uh, Very good target share for a low end tight end one. Zero touchdowns. Everybody knows that uh, from his 2021. His tight end 10 ranking indicates to me that the market expects him to score a few touchdowns this year, but not like go crazy. Right. So what do you think about Cole Komet? I think it's too bad our guy John isn't here to keep the hype train going for Cole Komet. I'll do my best, though, man. I mean, it's prime breakout time in year three. And if you're betting on fields, you almost have to double down. Bet on Komet. You know, you know a little, little slogan for his political campaign incoming. Uh, yeah, the wide receiver room is non-existent. And so I'm not saying the Bears don't have a plan, but, you know, Let's say they had a plan on offense. Komet has to be a big part of it, right? Considering what else they got going on in their wide receiver room. Yeah, so so uh, I really think he's going to be a big part of that offense for sure. I agree with that. I think he he was last year. He just didn't have the touchdowns to go along with all the targets that he got. Uh, but at tight end 10 pricing, I feel like a lot of the upside there is kind of already built into that that 
um, you know, price on keep trade cuts. So I uh, feel like it's more of a hold opportunity than a buy, just given that he hasn't totally put it all together yet. It's too high. But, you know, it's wild to me that he was tight end 12 this time last year, too. So he's just been kind of hovering in this range. I guess people are expecting it. So this yeah. would be the year. It could be the year. And now I got to figure out if our subtitle for this episode is going to be Varicose Jones or Bet on Comet, I guess. So, you know, we'll we'll have to figure that out by the end of the episode. Two, two strong contenders there, for sure. We can do better. We got this, boys. <laughs> it might have something to do with halftime, too. Because, <laughs> mic check, it is halftime. Nas, why did you do it? You know you got the mad fat fluid when you rhyme. It's halftime. All right. Massive news over the weekend. Huge dynasty implications, at least in terms of Zach Wilson's swagger rating. Zach Wilson, his ex-girlfriend, who is now apparently dating his ex-best friend, Dax Milne, uh, she alleged on Instagram that Zach Wilson, the baby jet, slept with his mom's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, of course, this caused Twitter to go into an absolute frenzy. So I have to ask you guys, what was the best Zach Wilson related tweet you saw over the weekend? And as always, we cite on this podcast. So so give the person's at. Uh, I, I love that we're sharing these tweets. These definitely will go on the TLG account uh, after this post. But uh, my favorite one that I saw was from at Cooter Doodle, who uh, works with uh, Matt Berry's uh, Fantasy Life, uh, Matthew Berry's Fantasy Life from ESPN. So she did that classic meme setup where it's like fantasy football analysts and mom's BFF shaking hands over Zach Wilson busting in 2022. And I <laughs> love it. Zach Wilson will bust in 2022. Exactly. Guaranteed. Exactly. If you're if you're not uh, following Cooter Doodle on uh, Twitter, you're doing it wrong. So go follow her. Mitch, what what tweet did you pull up here? All right. I don't really know who this is, but it's at Polar Vuozo, V-U-O-Z-O. It says Zach Wilson fan account. And it's just, uh, all all it says is Brady on his way home after realizing Giselle is also a friend of Zach Wilson's mom. And it's just this dude that like slightly resembles Tom Brady running at what looks like 30 miles per hour home. Tyreek Hill speeds. Oh my God, blowing the doors off a reek. All right, and I, I'll close this out with uh, Black Adam Schefter, a Twitter staple, saying, quote, Zach Wilson's mom went from posting every single hour every day to going social media dark after finding out her best friend sacked her son in bed. The Mormon community is in shambles right now. <laughs> oh, man. The BYU Cougars. I wouldn't right. have it any other way. That's a little yeah. bit on the nose, don't you think, guys? A little a, a little on the nose. You'll have to ask Zach Wilson's mom's friend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh on the nose. Right on the nose. <laughs> Let's kick off this second <laughs> half with the Detroit Lions. Going from Cougars <laughs> to Lions over here. <laughs> At quarterback, Jared Goff, King Goffrey, the dopey man himself. It just looks like such a dopey kid. Uh, he he did not have a great year last year, all, be, all told. Like 6.6 yards per attempt, bottom quartile of the league in air yards. Uh, he took care of the ball reasonably well, but he gave fantasy managers just a paltry 14.5 points per game. 
Trey, I feel like I, as well as a lot of people, have been talking all offseason about how well the Lions have built that offensive in- infrastructure. So uh, should I be in on King Goffrey at quarterback 30? Yeah, man, I, I like him at that price. And and I've backed that up. I've made some offers for him. I picked him up in a startup draft during the offseason. Uh, I don't think he's going to play well enough to convince the Lions that you know he's the quarterback of the future. But... You know, even if he's just a one-year rental, I think he could sneak his way into a mid-range QB2 performance with all the weapons that they put in place around him, with you know how good that O-line is looking now. And who knows, maybe he does find his way into his starting job, if not with the Lions, then somewhere else in 2023. So I just really like the weapons. I like the O-line. And at, at QB30 price, I mean, he could just be a bi-week fill-in for you. And I think he's probably going to return value at that price. For sure. Yeah, Trey, I agree with you, man. I'm in on golf. I actually have him at quarterback 27, but yeah, I've also I'm right been, there with you. Yeah, I've been I've been making moves for him too. I've been taking him in startups. He he feels really good as a quarterback three. Um, I traded him to be my quarterback two in a league where I have Deshaun Watson that was presumed to be my quarterback two. Um, I don't mind him there either. And as you mentioned, a a one year deal, I, I kind of look at him more like a potential two year rental because I think like like we just said, the Lions, I, I feel like we're doing this backwards. Like we're we're talking about Jared Goff first, but he has a lot of really good weapons. So I think Jared Goff could get this team like eight or nine wins or more and basically price the Lions out of replacing him next year with a with a surefire quarterback. I mean, they might draft his replacement next year, but I don't know if that guy's going to be starting. So I look at Jared Goff as a potential two-year or more player. I think it's possible. I think the scenario you just laid out is possible, but I also think it might be giving Jared Goff a little bit too much credit. Um, I, I don't think he's very good. Yeah, there's um, that, you know. But, but you know, I, I agree. I agree. That that could definitely happen to where he's he's playing there, not just next year, but the year after. Uh, and yeah, quarterback 30, that's that's a, a reasonable investment for your super flex team. Go ahead and do it. I've got him right there in my ranks, so I'm fine with it. At running back, DeAndre Swift came away from 2021 as the running back eight in points per game. Target share of 18.2% was number two in the league at the position. Ran the fifth most routes, but that was despite only playing 13 games. He's kind of seemingly stabilized as the running back two in Dynasty, at least on keep trade cut, with Jonathan Taylor clearly in a tier of his own. Mitch, let me ask you, what running backs are you taking ahead of Swift outside of Jonathan Taylor, of course? All right, I'm taking Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, and Javante Williams. And you know what that means, right? It, it means I'm priced out of DeAndre Swift because, like you mentioned, he's stabilizing at running back two. So I was notoriously the low man on DeAndre Swift in the past. I've come to my senses, but I I think I'm still priced out. So I, I can say I like him, but I don't love him, and that's why I don't have him. So, I mean, he was number two in target share. He was number four in receptions and number one in yards created. Like, the talent is there. He was number eight in points per game at 16.1, right? But he missed time. He missed five games last year, basically six for coming back and sucking the next game uh he missed three his rookie year and he doesn't get volume on the ground i mean i i he definitely makes up for it out of the backfield in the air but 
he's best case scenario Alvin Kamara, but he hasn't quite done that yet for me to cement him. Yeah, there, there's definitely some projecting going on right now that that I'm doing and the rest of the market is doing, you know, because he's still up in my top three. Uh, I've got it, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, and then DeAndre Swift. But the the thing is, is I, I think they're all of those running backs in that range are all just somewhat flawed uh, assets right now. I mean, with Najee Harris, uh, extremely inefficient in his rookie year, mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey, the obvious injury issues. And, uh, you know, Javante Williams, not even like the clear-cut starter yet on his team. Yep. DeAndre Swift, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's not a great situation being in Detroit. Uh, but for the reasons we mentioned with Goff, with like the O-line and some of the weapons in place, I think it's it's okay to project a little bit of upside versus maybe what where he's going in uh, redraft or best ball leagues right now. So I, I'm fine with him at, at running back three. It's just uh, it, there's definitely some risk involved in the situation. You guys have a couple shares yourselves, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. one or two teams now. Yeah, I, I mean, one of them, I, I, I traded away Jonathan Taylor for DeAndre Swift in a 2023 first to our man Trey Cryan. So yeah, obviously, I'm happy with that. Trey was making a run, so you can't blame him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think DeAndre Swift is an amazing talent. Um, but I think kind of what y'all are both getting at is that since this is kind of a tier of flawed running backs with like high end value, maybe it pays to kind of trade out of that tier, right? And and stack some value on top of it to to move out into the Dalvin Cook, the the you know the the Alvin Kamaras of of the world, the is Derek that... Henry, Leonard Fournette range, plus yeah. you know a wide receiver or whatever. Or if we're yeah. talking startup, I'm probably looking at a wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. yeah fair. The, I feel like this is an aside, but I feel like the dynasty landscape, it was like running backs were like the cake for years, like the last like four or five years. And now it's back to like receivers being the the asset that you want. It's really interesting how that kind of ebbs and flows. All right. Uh, Jamal Williams. Uh, he He is... He is not good. He is he is not good <laughs> like bad. DeAndre Swift is good. But God damn it, if, if coaches don't love him. Now, Trey, my thought is to unload Jamal Williams for a third and take a stab on somebody like Jamar Jefferson or, Who? I don't know, Craig Reynolds, one of the other deeper guys, just like for arbitrage. But do you have any strong opinions on either Jamal Williams or the running back depth chart in general behind Swift? So... I think I'm with you on that proposal. I would, if you have the chance to trade him away for a third, then I think you should definitely do it because what we saw last year, even when Swift was missing time, they weren't giving Jamal Williams more than 50% of the share of those mm-hmm. touches. So they, I, yes, he does certain things well, but I think he's just viewed by the NFL at this point as a rotational player uh, because he's maybe because he's not very inefficient or whatever. But um, as far as the cuffs, like Jamar Jefferson and the others on this team, there is just probably 20 other guys in the NFL that I would rather have that are like <laughs> running back threes over Jamar Jefferson. So yeah, I would Fair enough. go look for, for cuffs elsewhere. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, I do see some some role for Jamal Williams in this offense, but not enough to translate to fantasy points. So, you know, if for whatever reason you got him on your roster, I would definitely deal him as well. But I wouldn't cut him because the Swift nah. is presumably going to get hurt. So you might yeah. you might want to have him just to use his trade bait. But I'm not drafting this guy in a startup. 
Yeah, if if you have Jamal Williams on your roster, you definitely can't cut him. All right, at wide receiver, Jamison Williams, uh, a much better Jay Williams, the rookie speedster out of Alabama, and Amon Ross St. Brown. And I'm going to talk about these guys together because they're separated on keep trade cut by the value of about half a third round pick. So you've got Jamison Williams, the first round pick from 2022 dripping with upside on the one hand. And then Amon Ra is the fourth round second year player who had arguably the best six game stretch of any rookie receiver in the regular season last year. Mitch, let me ask you, who would you rather have on your dynasty's team, Jamison Williams or Amon Ra, the sun god, St. Brown? All right, give me JMO, and it's not actually close in this one. And, you know, maybe it's a long case of the rookie fever for me because JMO is still recovering from an injury. And this may be a question we're asking next year on this podcast as well. But without the injury, JMO would be in the running with Drake London for the first wide receiver drafted. And I think the listeners would scoff at us if you asked me, who would you rather have, Drake London or Amon Ross St. Brown? So I don't know. That's just kind of how I'm looking at it. Like, I would rather have. Drake London. I would rather have JMO. I think they're the better talent, you know. And according to my ranks, uh, I'm technically the low guy on both, but I have Jamison Williams at wide receiver 26, and I have Amon Rob St. Brown at wide receiver 36. Yeah, I, I see it pretty differently, actually. I, I so <laughs> Jamison Williams, uh, to me, he, you know, excellent, excellent player his third year in, in college, but it took him until that third year and that transfer out of Ohio State to Alabama for him to break out. So he's not really comparable to Drake London in terms of the, the early breakout or, or whatever. So uh, it's a lot closer. I, I think I would actually even prefer Amon Ross St. Brown. I think the market is really? going to catch up to that. Uh, fast forward to, you know, the end of week one, I, I think the, the injury risk with Jameson Williams is really, really high. Like as he's coming back from ACL, as he's, you know, missing time in training camp and, and off season practices, like, He's going to be behind and learning the offense and learning the system. And I just see Amon Ross St. Brown being a reliable wide receiver one for at least the first half of the season as JMO is getting up to speed. And I mean, those six weeks or seven weeks or whatever, where he was really breaking out, he looked like uh, Cooper Cup and uh, Powder Blues. So he was, you know, just electric yeah. when he was getting that work at the end of last year. Trey, do you do you think, OK, next year, a year from now? Do you think JMO will be higher than Amon Ross St. Brown in your ranks? Yeah, I mean, get right now, I I think it's it should be close. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown should be right there. But a year from now, it's I think it's fair to say JMO will take that next step. I just think the breakout's gonna be delayed because of all the time he's gonna miss with injury this offseason and through, you know, seemingly the first month of the season at least. No, I think that's fair. Yeah, I I, I will air Jamison Williams because kind of of what exactly Mitch just, you know, asked Trey. Like, I think in a year, he's going to be clearly ahead of him on Ross St. Brown. But I do think it's very close, right? Like Trey said, this guy's going to, you know, Jamison Williams, he's going to be missing training camp. He's going to be missing the first, you know, month of the season. And then you look at the last six weeks of the previous season and Amon Ross St. Brown was absolutely balling the fuck out. So I do think it should be close. I will air with the market and air JMO. All right. Uh, DJ Chark. He's the third guy and probably playing on the outside in two receiver sets 
Trey Chark is wide receiver 68 on keep trade cut. What do you think of that? And, you know, while you're at it, tell me if there's any other receiver on this depth chart that you're stashing. Yeah, there's no one else in this receiver room besides DJ Chark that I'm really interested in. Uh, I think with JMO missing time early on in the year, that Chark is going to get an opportunity and, and he probably will return value at that price. So if you've got him on your squad, I would definitely try to sell after week three or four when he's gotten a couple looks in that offense because he's just got limited upside. I don't think that he turns into a reliable contributor for your dynasty squad where you're going to be looking at starting him week in and week out, even in your flex spot. So um, unless it's a super, super deep league, he's somebody who I'd be looking to move uh, about a month into the season. Gotcha. Yeah. Speaking of super big league or deep league, uh, this is definitely a target of mine in a 14-team league. I think he could be a good flex play all year round, though, in uh, either 12-team or 14. I think of him as like a Tim Patrick with upside. Uh, Like, he's still young. He's 26 years old on a one-year deal. And, you know, his stock could go up if he has a good year. And then he has the opportunity to go, go off in a better offense, maybe. Or... Or he just, you know, disappears and you didn't pay much to get him either way. So yeah. I, I like the the low risk, high reward with this guy. I'll project a few more touchdowns to Tim Patrick than DJ Chark, though, in that Broncos offense. Man, I mean, if all of want. that is fine. <laughs> I, all of that is fine. You know, what I will say is it's no no surprise you guys are a little bit higher on Jared Goff than me if if you guys are like, oh, you know, DJ Chark, maybe you juice it up, DJ Chark, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do not give a single shit about DJ Chark. He Word. can he can go live on somebody else's roster. All right, at tight end, TJ Hawkinson played 12 games last year, ran a lot of routes, had a solid 21% target share. And really did not do a whole lot with it. 12.1 points per game. I mean, that's fine, but it's tied in seven. And that's just, he has yet to show elite upside, at least since like week one of his rookie year. Trey, is is Hawk mid? Um, Shout out to at Cam's Not Sober on Twitter. Amazing Twitter follow, by the way. Cam's Not Sober. I was kind of going back and forth with our guy Jacob Sanderson about something uh, related to Hawk. And he said, bro, Hawk is mid. So Twitter's telling me Hawk is mid. I'm not sure I disagree, but Trey, please advise. Uh, well, I, I mean, is is he mid? Maybe, you know, I, I think he's he's shown that he with with the first round draft capital, right, with the athleticism, the testing like there, he's got everything that you look for. Right. Um, and he's arguably got it done you know tight end seven at his age we should be ranking him no lower than that in our dynasty ranks right but where he has not excelled at all is in making yards after the catch he was the number 25 tight end in the league last year with only 189 yards after the catch so kind of he's kind of one of those jason Witten's like catch the ball and fall down kind of guys you know <laughs> which sucks right coming which, out of college it looked like he he could be like a truly all-around athletic tight end so. right he's he still looks like it guys yeah. there are moments on film where you're like fuck dude this guy can play and then he like stubs his toe and blocks for the rest <laughs> of the game and you're like what <laughs> what happened bro like he I, I wrote down this is all i wrote down what's his goddamn deal because I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what his goddamn deal is. I don't I know think if the this deal is... was that I think the deal was that offense just was not very good last year. We already mentioned yeah. golf struggles. We we know that like for a large part of last year, the defense was basically able to key on Hawk as like the main pass catcher. So 
I mean, that's not encouraging, but for a guy in his development, he shouldn't be any lower than top seven or eight for Dynasty. I think he could enter the ring as a top six guy. These these top six guys are Agreed. getting old. Agreed. They're getting old, yeah. right? It's like somebody's going to have to do it. They extended his fifth-year option. This offense is better. I don't think Hawk's mid. I think Hawk is still still clinging on to that P-word potential into that top six. I think I'm not afraid to roll the dice on him. All right, let me, I actually went and found the tweet where the Hawk is mid thing came up in, and it was about, would y'all do this? You give up Kyle Pitts, you acquire CeeDee Lamb and TJ Hawkinson. Yes. That's pretty good. I'd yeah. do it. I'd fucking do it. That's a pretty good trade. <laughs> yeah, I, I am extremely high on CD Lamb, as everybody knows. So I would pretty easily do that trade. But, you know, Jacob Sanderson, Cam, all those guys I was talking to, they were like, nah, give me pits. Nah. So. No, they're wrong. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the final team of this divisional preview episode, the Green Bay Packers at quarterback. Aaron Rodgers lost Devontae Adams, but sources tell me that he is still Aaron Rodgers. 7.7 yards per attempt in 2021, number one in adjusted yards per attempt, and that adjusts for touchdowns and interceptions. He led the league in QBR. He signed a mammoth extension, so you've got at least two years left, but I would think given the guarantees and the fact that Aaron Rodgers seems to like money, that you probably got three years left. So Mitch... Quarterback 20 on Keep Trade Cut. Again, quarterback 20, please advise. Is that like 2-0? Yeah. 2-0. I'll explain it. He's he's easy to hate. His hair looks like shit. His nat, his new tattoo is... Have you guys seen it? It's, it's yeah. polarizing. It's pretty bad. Uh, people love rooting against this guy. Like, State Farm's probably got a policy against him for not getting a vaccination. <laughs> like, look, like from a p- football perspective... Doesn't make any goddamn sense. He's a QB one for the next two years, uh, maybe two years left, maybe three. But I think what some of this indicates to me is that if it's a two years left on his like quarterback one career, like I, I guess that means his value drops off by half after this year. So I, I don't know if you if you got three years projected like I do, I, I I feel a little bit better about this. But I mean, you know what you're buying? You're buying an old and depreciating asset. So, like, regardless of whether he outperforms his ADP, I understand. But I'm not going to flame Trey for having Rodgers at quarterback 19. Uh, I I think it's a little low, but I get it. Um, Yeah, and the main reason, dude, is because I'm not projecting, like, two to three years like you are. I'm only projecting one. I get that. Like, given his age, he he turns uh, 39 during this NFL season. So you're projecting him to go in through year 41. And I know that, like, we're, we're watching Brady do it, but... Mm-hmm. There was very real talk of Rogers stepping away during the off season, so I. But he didn't, you know. I, and he I signed know. that. He I signed that didn't. He deal, signed a you know? hundred fifty million dollar guaranteed contract. Yeah, He's not, uh, and, three years. And yeah, like, so I, I mean, it's worthwhile to probably bump him up at, uh, to at least two years. But uh, yeah, look, there's I'm, just a risk there that you know maybe his body doesn't keep up with his contract. I just want to flame you for having David Carr ahead of him. God damn it! Like <laughs> here we go again. Well, David Carr did take his best receiver, right? So who is yeah. like, like that, that actually does matter as well, which we haven't talked about yet. Like Rogers, we're, we're kind of projecting he's going to be the same guy that he's always been, but his best receiver did leave in the off season. And now he's looking at Alan Lazard and Christian Watson, which like who, 
So <laughs> that is a very real issue, which, you know, should go in to your projection of this guy as well. But that said, yeah, I'm, I'm still with the market on, on Rogers here. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I guess I just, I mean, as much as I, I, I agree with Mitch, he's easy to hate, uh, from a, from a fantasy perspective. I don't know. I, I think, I think he's top five upside year in year out yep. as long as he's playing. All right. Uh, at running. Oh, wait, before we move on, Guys, Jordan Love or a third round rookie pick? Third round rookie pick. Oh, the pick. It's not close. Okay. All right. At running back, that's in Superflex, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, at running back, AJ Dillon, running back 17, Aaron Jones, running back 19 per keep trade cut. Dillon is younger and he was one of the best rushers in the league last year, according to PFF rushing grade. Take it or leave it. Aaron Jones looking at maybe the best target share in the league with the departure of Devontae Adams. Like, could he be competing with DeAndre Swift for 18 to 20%? Trey, which one do you prefer if you are the average top of the bell curve dynasty manager? So, you know, I could talk about target share projections or like how AJ Dillon's got like the thickest thighs in the NFL, but I think it's really simple. You know, if you're a contender, then Aaron Jones makes a lot more sense for your roster. Mm -hmm. And if you're rebuilding or you're in a startup or, you know, productive struggle, I think AJ Dillon makes a lot more sense. So uh, you don't really have to overthink it here. I think the value is right on both of them and they just fit like different roles for your team at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got them ranked the same way. AJ Dillon at 17, Aaron Jones at 18, but depending on what I'm trying to do, the, those ranks do change. I will say, that uh, A.J. Dillon has shown the ability to catch the ball pretty well. And yeah. uh, I, I really was impressed with him last year. And that's why I do have him just in a vacuum ahead of Aaron Jones because of the age and the ability to continue on potentially with a lead bull. Uh, I'm sorry, with a lead back role. But uh, mm -hmm. we haven't seen that yet. So that's why they're still at 17 and 18. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried to buy Aaron Jones in every league that I don't have him in. Um, and it's and and people who roster Aaron Jones, they understand what they have. Like he ha like he has clear top five, top three upside this year with that massive Devontae Adams sized hole in the offense. So um, he's he's actually really difficult to acquire at cost. Yeah, I believe you. Yeah, I think he was probably misvalued for the majority of the offseason. And people are maybe just now catching up. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. He was kind of in the mid 20s for a while, which was astounding. Mitch, any Kylan Hill shares across your roster? Yeah, I think I have one or two, at least one. Um, he's sitting on a taxi squad somewhere because they allow him to for a couple years or something. But all right. Uh, uh, quick quick side story i was gonna draft him at the very end of a like a 31 round startup i did and uh accidentally drafted harrison bryant instead so like you know <laughs> i don't really care about this guy i read that he's doing better and he looks okay in camp and it would be cool to have a running back like that in this system but i don't think he's your guy i think john still likes him maybe too bad he's not here I, I looked in all of my leagues when I was preparing for the show because uh, I was like, hey, I'll pick up Kylan Hill, right? He's the running back three on a good offense. Like there's worse things that you could stash on the end of your bench, but he's rostered everywhere and I don't have him anywhere. But Trey, the thoughts either way. Yeah. Handcuff running back three. I'd, I'd rather have him than Jamar Jefferson, I think. 
There we go. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's the full circle I was looking for. Thank you, Trey. All right, wide receiver. Speaking of nothing, Alan Lazard, <laughs> Christian Watson, Robert Candle. <laughs> that's a throwback. <laughs> Robert Candle, Amari Rogers. That's Randall Cobb for the uninitiated. Amari Rogers, Sammy Watkins. Uh, we played this as a halftime a while back because this wide receiver room is so wide open. And the question was, which of these guys will be le- the leading wide receiver? John, of course, went with Aaron Jones. But in order for Aaron Rodgers to be a quarterback one, like some of these wide receivers or at least one of them is going to have to put up some fantasy points. Right. Trey, are you hitching your name to any of these guys wagons? Uh, so I'm not. I'm not. I, I think Christian Watson is going to be a bust. I really did not Oof. like. I really did not like his value uh, going as high as he was as a first round pick in, in rookie drafts. Uh, but I will say he's got a great opportunity ahead of him. So, you know, we are going to find out in year one whether or not he can do it, um, which is kind of too bad because, you know, coming from the FCS, he probably needs a little bit more time to develop. Uh, but anyway, uh, Alan Lazard is probably the wide receiver one on this team in 2022. But I don't think that means he's worth an, uh, an investment for Dynasty. I just don't see him turning into a reliable starter for your fantasy team. He's maybe going to be slightly better than DJ Chark, who already burned a, enough airtime on earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe you think he's going to be a bust off of not even seeing a game, man. Uh, I love yeah. me some Christian Watson. Hashtag though. analytics, yeah, bro. bro. Hashtag this guy's really fucking big and fast and... I, I like Christian Watson, but I do agree with what you said. I do think we're going to find out about him this year because, like, if he can't beat out these fools, then, uh, well, yeah, uh, I don't think I want much more of him after that. So, uh, yeah, but if I'm going to place a bet, like, if, if this guy hits, if Christian Watson hits, it's going to be a huge hit. And yeah. if the rest of these guys hit, it's it's not. Like, I don't know. I don't think any of these guys merit. I'm not rostering Sammy Watkins, Mari Rogers. No, 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 I, no. I guess I'm rostering Robert Candle. <laughs> I have one share of Amari Rogers. Well, and, well uh, hang on. So with Christian Watson, I think the best case scenario would be like a, a, a Chase Claypool rookie year, you know, where he's just like a, red, sure, zone, I mean, a red zone freak. Uh, hopefully scores catches a bunch four of touchdowns. touchdowns in a game. Yeah, yeah sweet. exactly. Yeah, I think like back to like Mike Williams rookie year, like even Kelvin Benjamin, somebody like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to FCS Alec Pierce, Christian Watson. All right. At tight end, old Bobbert Tunyon, the Tunyon Knight. He's big and he might even have both of his... <laughs> Sorry, Tark. <laughs> no, it's cool. Another peek behind the curtain. Mitch wrote this blurb for me. He's big and he might even have both of his knees functioning by the start of the season. The dude scores touchdowns and has a rapport with Aaron Rodgers. He's 28 years old. Not not too old, but Mitch kind of seems like a tight end that you would like. And uh, this seems like a leading question because I already yeah. told the audience that you wrote this. That's so at, really... at tight end 22, <laughs> do you like the value there? I do, man. I set myself up with a meatball, didn't I? I mean, look, he's <laughs> he's my kind of guy at tight end. He cleared that 200 fantasy point mark and uh, whatever the fuck year that was. And uh, he banked that top five finish. So he's now old reliable for Aaron Rodgers, who has, as we just mentioned, not a whole lot going on. So I'm foreseeing he could be like a Dalton Schultz type safety valve. And I want shares of this dude in every league because he's basically free 
And again, like, yeah, th there's a real solid chance this doesn't work out. And that's okay because it's free. But like, if this guy is like the third leading receivers on the Packers, then I mean, that's a fucking home run. I'll say this. Uh, people are high on Dawson Knox after what he did uh, last year, but why tie yourself to Dawson Knox when you could have arbitrage Knox with Bob Tunyon, who's, <laughs> hey, you know, yo. probably at least like a first round pa uh, pick cheaper than Knox's. So, hey, I mean, what what was Chris Harris's bit all last year? The quest for Tunyon. That, that's right. It was it was the and Dawson Knox ended up being 2021 Tunyon. Right. Hey. So 2022 Tunyon. Maybe it's Bobbert Tunyon. Maybe it's. Do you guys always picture him like holding an axe? Like I, I maybe I for Paul sure. Bunyan, yes, I do. Paul Bunyan, yes. Bobbert Tunyon exactly. thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. For nope. sure. Exactly. I mean, uh, there's the third round like H back slash fullback Josiah Deguara Ooh. that could have something to say about <laughs> uh, the return of Tunyon. Yeah. No. Uh, nah, nah, man. Nah, man. Cut that, right. cut that. Cut that. Cut <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. God damn it. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the second to last episode of our divisional preview. We're going to close it out next week. And guys, that means that we're going to have to start uh, coming up with some actual show topics. God damn uh, it. Instead of, yeah, I think we might uh, have a plan or two. Yeah, we're going to have to be creative and shit. So, yeah, get ready for that. Uh, all right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will see you next week with the AFC Norte. North North, as Vince Staples would say. Goodbye. All right. Goodbye.